So God, we, uh, uh, we believe in the invisible world. We believe your Holy Spirit's real. We believe your Holy Spirit, even this very moment, is present inside each one of us who have opened our hearts to him. So uh, pray that we would hear what he has to say to us, see what he wants to show us, and then like, like only your supernatural power can do through your spirit, would you empower us to become the kind of people that you want us to become that are full of your life, uh, your love, and your power. Let me ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, last week I was out of town. I was uh, in Chicago with, my, uh, with Kathy and our kids, and I, Kath, uh, Allison and I uh, had a chance to go to a church that morning. We went to like a, it was like a conservative Anglican church. Um, Episcopal Church, and they do as part of their liturgy, which what some Catholic churches do. Some of you may have grown up. I know John grew up Catholic, but there's a part where they pray, and the leader says uh, things like "for this and for that" or whatever, and then the congregation says, "Lord, hear our prayer." Have you ever been a part of a service that do that? "Lord, hear our prayer." I see Stephanie back there shaking her head. Yes, so, so. Uh, they did that. So um, we're going to do that for a second, and I'll tell you why in a second. So I'm going to say a, a line, and this is kind of, I've been to the Catholic Mass before and Episcopal and liturgy services, and then I'll kind of look to you and you say, Lord, hear our prayer, all right? All right, so here we go. For the sick and discouraged among us. For peace in our world. For our government leaders. For the unity of your church. For others to know and trust you. So I was doing that last Sunday, and I'm not saying it should be vastly, I think it's a good thing, but I thought for some of the things they mentioned, just to say, Lord, hear our prayer, we should be yelling it, right? Lord, hear our prayer. I mean, we want peace in the world. I mean, it was just kind of, and that's, there's good things about liturgy and bad things, but it can become so routine that it becomes like this polite monotone, Lord, hear our prayer, Lord, hear our prayer. And we're praying for world peace. We're praying for people to know Jesus who don't know him. We're praying for those who are sick and discouraged. And sometimes, Lord, hear our prayer. And if we're honest, even those of us who aren't from liturgical backgrounds, sometimes our prayers don't reach a level of, it's not about volume, but it's about something inside of us that doesn't give volume to what we're praying and almost becomes like a rote kind of prayer. And there's times where I thought, I didn't do this last week. Allison would have killed me if I would have done it. I almost wanted to yell one time, Lord, hear our prayer. Because I thought, don't we really want him to hear our prayer? Isn't there a desperation? And, even, and this is the word for the day. Even, isn't, isn't there a boldness we can be praying for? I mean, sometimes we err on being a little bit too polite and maybe not bold with God. Or bold in general. So the word for the day is bold. Actually, the word for the next couple of weeks is bold. So I'm going to do a series the next, I don't know, maybe month or two. And I'm just going to call it being, being bold about Jesus. Be bold about Jesus. There's, there's a passage we're going to look at today that we looked at a couple years ago, I think. But I just did one Sunday on boldness. And then recently I was kind of looking through different things. And I thought, you know, the idea of being bold shows up a lot in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, especially uh, in Paul's letters about speaking boldly about Jesus. And this is not going to be about guilt or trying to get you to say things to people you don't want. But it's like, what does it mean for us to be bold? And what does that look like? And what are the ramifications? 
when that happens, all right? So, so the word bold, like, the, the word bold really just means uh, speaking openly. So it's, in the, in the Gospels, there's two or three different times where it says, Jesus even says, I was speaking openly. And he's basically saying, I'm not hiding anything. I'm, I'm speaking openly. I'm not, I'm not motivated by fear. I'm not being timid. I'm speaking openly. But in other sense, it means when you speak and you're uh, free and fearless, you're clear and you're courageous, and there's even a degree of cheerfulness about it. But Jesus spoke openly often, and speaking openly or speaking freely or fearlessly is, is kind of a boldness. Boldness doesn't have to be like loud or forceful. So it's interesting that when, I, when you look in the, I'm doing a real quick survey, whenever people were bold in the New Testament, there was typically one of three responses. One response, people were amazed at the boldness. Non-believers were amazed, right? Other responses, it was often divisive. Somebody spoke boldly. Paul, Peter, John spoke boldly, and it divided the people. But in other situations, boldness, and maybe this is where our greatest fear is in the, in, in, in the stories in the Bible, boldness caused persecution. And we're not concerned about maybe persecution per se. We are concerned about what people think about us. So the boldness, when, ha- when it shows up in, in biblical stories or biblical accounts, like I said, it's either people are amazed by it, they're divided by it, or difficulty and persecution starts happening. And so there's different reasons why we maybe aren't as bold as we could be or I'm not as bold as I could be. And again, this is not about guilt or trying to convince us otherwise. But boldness, is a, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you generate by just speaking loudly. I speak loudly all the time. My wife will tell you that. That doesn't mean I'm bold. That just means I'm loud and maybe a little bit unfiltered, right? So, so how do we become the kind of people that exhibit boldness, especially about Jesus? Not boldness about just being religious or boldness about right-wing politics or left-wing politics. But the boldness that happens in the New Testament is exclusively boldness about Jesus. All right, so I'm going to start, we're going to start with this passage. So there's the first passage, and I think I talked this a couple years ago, but I'm going to expand it a little bit. But this is the best place to start, because in Acts 3 or 4, is when we start, first start seeing the disciples, people like you and me, being bold about Jesus in situations where it's not easy to be bold about Jesus. So um, Acts 3 or 4, I'll, I'll just give you a little background before we kind of read the passage. In Acts 3, Peter and John, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they're in the habit of going to the synagogue to pray. It, must, it was a daily habit. And there's a crippled man sitting on... He's there every day. He's about 40 years old. The Bible tells us that. He's carried there every day. He basically begs for money. Peter and John are walking by. He asked them for money, and Peter, the Bible says Peter and John stopped. They look at him, and they say, look at us. And that's when Peter says, we don't have any gold or silver, but what I do have I'll give you. In the name of Jesus, it's key here, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Peter reaches over to grab him, 
The guy's legs are strengthened supernaturally. He stands up. He not only walks, the Bible tells us he leaps. He's walking and leaping, and he's praising God. And it amazes people. And, of course, it draws a crowd because people know this guy's been here for 40 years. And now he's leaping and singing and praising God. He can walk. And so it draws a crowd. And Peter, opportunist, which was a good thing, says Peter saw the opportunity. And he gets ready to speak. And I'm, I'm saying that because there might be times in everyday conversations where you or I see an opportunity. You don't have to even create it. See an opportunity to, to talk or even mention the name of Jesus. Not in an awkward way. Not in a way that's forced into the... But anyway, Peter sees the opportunity. And he starts to preach. In, in the context of a very short talk he gives, because... It, there were thousands of people that gathered after this happened. So it wasn't just a handful. It's, the Bible tells us that thousands gathered around him. And Peter preaches, and it's a short message, but in that short message, seven times he mentions the name of Jesus. He doesn't just talk about good works. He doesn't just talk about doing good things. He doesn't even just talk about God. And he actually says, I healed this man in the name of Jesus. And then he says to the Jewish people, who you crucified, incidentally, which would have been just, you know, months prior. But he talks about Jesus. We, we, we healed this man because of the name of Jesus, the power of Jesus, who you crucified and God raised from the dead. So, and then we're told that, that there were so many converts, now the number of converts were up to 5,000. So almost doubled what they had at Pentecost just because of this event. So, of course, there's this crowd, you know, Something happened, there's a big crowd, Peter's talking about Jesus, and then it says the Jewish leaders, the priest, the captain of the temple guard, some of the Sadducees, other Jewish leaders, they were very disturbed, the Bible tells us. They were very disturbed. And it's interesting, the Bible tells us they were very disturbed, not because the man was healed. All right, they're not disturbed about good works of religious people. They were very disturbed because Peter and John were talking about power through a resurrected man named Jesus, who these guys know they put to death months before. So they were not disturbed by religious good works. I'm saying that even today in our culture today. People aren't disturbed by religious good works. What these they were very disturbed by, and I think even people today are mildly or very disturbed by when Jesus becomes part of the conversation. All right, so they were very disturbed, uh, and then they asked this. Go to the next slide. They, they finally get Peter and, well, I, I'll back up. They, they, they arrested Peter and John. This was the afternoon. They threw him in jail because they didn't have time to assemble that night. So they get thrown in jail, and jails weren't nice then. They aren't nice now, but they were way not, not nice then. So they're overnight in jail. They get brought out the next morning, and they basically say to him, by what power and whose name have you done this? I mean, they knew they couldn't dispute it. They knew the guy had been there for 40 years. They all probably knew the guy's name. They probably had given him money before. And now he's walking around dancing and leaping. And they're like, how'd you do this? Whose name? What power did you do this? And Peter says, well, there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. It's the name of Jesus. I mean, he just kind of says it bluntly to them, maybe boldly to them. 
And he says, in the name of Jesus, and he's the one you crucified. So he's, you know, he's setting himself up for some kind of conflict here. They said, but what, what name did you do this? And he says, well, it's Jesus. It was Jesus. It was his power. It was the name of Jesus that healed this man. And then here's the first time we're bold in ourselves. Go to the next slide. So then this is in verse 13. It says the leaders, you know, the Pharisees, priests, captain of the temple guard, and Sadducees, they ask, him that, they ask Peter and John that question after they'd spent the night in jail. And they say, well, it's Jesus. There's no other name. There's no other name by which people can be saved but Jesus. They step back. This is what happens next. So read this out loud with me, all right? Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They saw the boldness of these. These guys were talking plainly, freely, fearlessly, and courageously. They're like, no, it was Jesus. And speaking about Jesus in that environment was tense because they were around for the, the, for the arrest and the crucifixion. The Pharisees were around, but so were the disciples. They all ran off and hid. So there's tension already because there's tension about whether or not this Jesus guy was resurrected from the dead. So when they asked him, what, what name did you say this? If they just wanted to kind of get out of the tension easily, Peter and John could have said, well, we, in the name of power, our powerful God or whatever. They could have said anything that would have been even accurate, but less confrontational, less bold. And they said, no, it's Jesus. And then they said, they, they, they stepped back when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. These guys spoke openly. They spoke freely. It wasn't forced. It wasn't pushed on us. They just said what they saw happened. And then it says they, they, they were amazed because these were not educated religious people. Peter and John weren't. And it says they were amazed at their boldness. They were astonished. Again, that's one, of the, that's one of the reactions people will have at boldness. They'll be astonished, like, oh, wow. All right. Because these men have been with Jesus. All right. So now, go to the next slide. So then they, Peter and John say these, they, you know, they've told them it was Jesus. They see this, the, the leaders see the boldness. So they dismiss Peter and John. Hey, go away. We need to talk among ourselves. And one of them just says, what are you? What do we do with these guys? I mean, they did something in the name of Jesus. They're very clear and bold and free about saying it. So what do we do with them? So they're like, well, we can't, we can't deny what happened because we all know what happened. We all know something miraculous happened. So they were not denying that. We can't deny what happened. So we need to warn them. And they, did not, they were not going to warn them to not heal again. They warned them, don't ever do that again in the name of Jesus. They were not opposed to good works. But do not do anything like that in the name of Jesus. So they tell, they tell that to Peter and John. They even, the Bible even tells us they threaten them. I mean, and these guys had the power to threaten. Peter and John were in jail the night before. Not too far after this, James is beheaded, one of the disciples. They know Jesus had been crucified by this same group of people. So they had power to warn and threaten. So they said, we're just going to warn them and threaten them. Tell them not 
Don't ever do anything, and again, in the name of Jesus. So what is the next line? This is what Peter and Paul say. Do you think God wants to obey you rather than him? And it's just, it's, it's refreshingly plain, courageous, free, and fearless. Do you, do you, should we obey you? We're going to obey God. We're, we, we, we healed this man in the name of Jesus. He's the guy you guys crucified. We healed him in his name. Jesus healed him. Do you think we want to obey you rather than? And I'll stop here because I, I do think there's times, I know for me there's times, where, I, and again, I'm not saying force Jesus into a conversation. I'm not saying you go to Kroger and ask for a pound of meat and say, oh, by the way, Jesus loves you. I mean, you can say that, but I'm not saying force it in unnaturally. But there's times when it might be natural for you to say, somebody might ask you a question, and sometimes our natural answer might be, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, or I'm religious, or I go to church, I believe in God. But the real baseline reason, if you're honest about it, if this is your experience with God, is I follow, I follow Jesus. It's Jesus in my life. And it's not forced, it's not coerced, it's not like stuck into a sentence in, a, in an awkward place, it's just, no, it's that's why I do that. That's why I speak honestly. That's why I love my wife. That's why my family does things this way, because we follow Jesus. And again, it's real easy, and I know this, it's real easy to pass off, well, we're religious. You know, we go to church. We believe in God. We're Christian. And I, I've said this before, but I will, you know this. You mention the name Jesus, even in a casual conversation, Something changes right away in the atmosphere. Because you're not, people, people are okay if you say, well, we do these things because we're a religious family. But if you say to somebody, well, this is how my family, this is how we interact with each other because we're followers of Jesus. That changes things, and you know that, and they know that. And I'm not saying you say it so you all of a sudden change something. But it's different than if you say, I follow Jesus as opposed to, I'm a Christian. So they're saying, well, what do you, what do you think? We're going to obey God? We're going to obey you more than God? And so they threaten him again. They say, just don't go away. They say, we can't do anything. These, they huddle up. We can't do anything, these guys, because if we do anything, these guys, people are going to riot because they, were, they saw what happened and we saw what happened. So we'll just threaten them one more time. So they threaten them and then send Peter and John away. Now, I mean, again, I'm using the word warn and threaten. The Bible uses those terms. Because these guys had the power to persecute these guys. All right? Your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, even some of your family, they have the power to think negatively of you if you talk too much about Jesus. So we understand we don't want others to think negatively of us, let alone mistreat us, let alone think we're weird. And somehow we've gotten our minds, I've gotten my minds that to talk too much about Jesus uh, might give you the label of he's just kind of weird. But not if you speak in a plain, fearless, free, courageous way. People aren't necessarily going to think you're weird. They're going to think something's unique. So, so then they go back. Says Peter and John went back to their friends, other Christians, Go to, the next, go to the next slide here. 
So they go back, and what the Bible tells us, they go back and they, uh, they heard the report. Peter, Peter and John say, here's what happened. And it's, Peter and John probably told them this is what happened. We healed the guy, but this is what the, fair, the leaders told us. They threatened us. They warned us. And they're telling all their friends that probably, probably maybe a group this size, even not bigger, this is what happened. They warned us. They threatened us. And there's no record of anybody saying, hmm, maybe we should turn down the volume for a few days, Paul, or Peter and John, until kind of the, the pressure goes off and let's just lay low. There was nobody saying, maybe we need to kind of tone down our language a little bit because we don't want to get in trouble. We don't want to rock the boat. Nobody said that. What the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4 is they lifted their voices in prayer. Lifted their voices in prayer. You get the sense they, when lifted their voices, was, was, there was a loudness to it, maybe a boldness to it. It wasn't brash, it was bold. They lifted their voices in prayer. And this was that they had, there's another paragraph before this, but this is part of how they prayed at the very end. All right? And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. We're not toning it down. We're not turning it down. We're not changing the words. We're not changing the verbiage. We're not leaving Jesus out of the equation. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I mean, I think if we were there, it would, we would be astonished. Like, this is boldness. I mean, these people could get put back in prison. Peter and John could go back in prison the next day. I mean, Stephen was stoned not too far after this. They knew things were going to be tough for them. And they could have said, we want to be well accepted in our community, so let's just make sure we tone the language down, let's say things differently, let's do this, let's do that, because we don't want to be outcasts in the community. They're like, no, no, no. Whether we're outcasts or considered weird is not the issue. We know there's power in the name of Jesus, and we've seen his resurrection. We know he's got power. We know he can do things. He can change people's lives. And we are not going to back down from that. And just this prayer, look upon their threats. God, you hear their threats? I'm sure they were probably scared a little bit, but then they realized, no, but they'd seen the resurrected Jesus, his and they'd seen what he did through Peter and John, and they were going to see more of that. No, no, we see the threats. But give us even, give us the ability to continue to speak with boldness. Free, fearless, courageous, and clear. While you stretch out your hand to heal, signs and wonders performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Again, they don't back out down from Jesus. Leave it on this slide, but the rest of the passage says, when they were done praying, the place that they were shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And there, there's, there's something about this passage that grabbed my attention, because I thought, if I pray for boldness for me, or if I pray for boldness for Matt and Randy Jackson, Am I praying that they're going to stick out like a sore thumb and be weird? 
Am I praying that they're going to get negative feedback from friends and coworkers who wish they wouldn't talk about or even use the name Jesus? And again, I'm not saying you set up a, a bully pulpit in your office and start preaching to people. I'm just saying if it comes up, and like Peter, if you see an opportunity where talking about Jesus would be a natural thing for you, it might be a little disturbing for them, but natural for you, not in a jerkish kind of way. No, I'm, we do that because we follow Jesus. And maybe that's boldness. Or maybe, if some, you know, maybe there's times where you see an opportunity where somebody might be, they might be sharing with you about some hardships in their life, and they're just wanting you to listen, and then you might say, well, do you mind if I pray for you? I, I, I had a, <clears throat> I taught a graduate class, and there was a guy in my class one year that was from Saudi Arabia, and he was sharing in class one day. It was an odd situation, but his wife had just had a miscarriage. And he was crying, and I'm just like, okay, I'm teaching this class. And so after class, I asked him, I, thought, I, I said, can you hang, just hang out in the hallway, let's talk. And I said, can I? I said, I'm, I'm taking my professor hat off. I teach this part-time, and I, I said, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I don't do this often, but I said to him, can I pray for you? And he goes, yes, yes, please. And I said, and can I pray for you in the name of Jesus? And he goes, yes, yes, please, please, please. And it was one of those times that I, I want to replicate in my life, and I think you, do, you would want to do that too, because he was not like, no way. I mean, he might have. There might be some people that might do that, but he was like, no, no, no. Please do. Pray for me. I said, in the name of Jesus, yes, yes. Jesus, yes. And maybe there's opportunities like that that we just miss because we're not quite sure what to say. Whether it's you responding to somebody's question about your life or your lifestyle, that the, the real answer is because you follow Jesus, or whether or not somebody's sharing a story of brokenness and they know you're religious and maybe you might pray for them and maybe you just say, could I pray for you right now? And I pray for you in the name of Jesus. It's pretty simple in a conversation, but it's also pretty bold. And it's actually, we know it's hard because we know that it put, might, might put us into a conversational atmosphere that feels awkward. But I will guarantee you, it will feel empowering to you. You, you will like, I, but again, you don't, you don't need to blare it out there. You don't need to get, you don't need to borrow Sadie's megaphone and Jesus. You don't need to do that. But it, come, it can come naturally when you see the opportunity. So the rest of the time in this series, there's times in, other times in Acts where people speak boldly, and we'll see what happens and why they spoke boldly, and it was always about Jesus. We'll see in the book of Hebrews that we can boldly enter the throne of grace. We can boldly pray to God because of the blood of Jesus, All right? So our boldness is not just speaking about Jesus, it's our boldness to ask God things, in prayer because we have direct access because of the blood of Jesus. We'll see in, the, in, the, in some of Paul's letters where he was challenging people to speak boldly. He even talked about he, how he spoke boldly when he was in prison in Rome. And so I'm, I'm reading through all this over the last weeks and I'm thinking, I, I think most of us want to be that, those kind of people where we can speak clearly, freely, fearlessly, and cheerfully about Jesus in everyday conversations, and maybe in those real situations where it really demands some kind of clarity about Jesus. I think we, want, I think we all want to be that way. But it's, 
Boldness is not something you practice. Boldness is something you ask for. We got that just from the passage in Acts chapter 4. And one of the things I'm committing to, to all of you, I have a list of everybody who's regular part of Exodus. I'm going to pray that God would give you the ability to speak his word with boldness. You know, that's what I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to encourage you to pray for your spouses that way, for your kids that way, for people, you know, just pray that God would give you boldness. All right? So here's what I want to do. So um, go to the next slide. We're going to do this phrase one more time. All right? So stand up, though. Stand up. I'm going to read the prayer they just prayed for boldness. All right? And then when I stop and I do this, then I want you to say, and notice the yellow exclamation point, that's not a mistake, all right? I want you to say, Lord, hear our prayer, all right? We might do it a couple times, all right? So here's the prayer. And now, Lord, look upon the threats and grant to your servants. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. One more time, a little bit louder. Lord, hear our prayer. Last time louder. Lord, hear our prayer. So Jesus, uh, would you grant to us, your servants, um, the ability to see opportunities and to speak with boldness about the name of Jesus and about his work in our lives, about his love in our lives, about his tenderness toward us, about his forgiveness toward us, and about his power to give hope in the middle of anxious times, for his power to give um, encouragement in the times of discouragement, and for the supernatural power of Jesus to be, um, to flow out of us. So would you grant us boldness because we know it the kind of boldness we're asking for, we know it only comes from you. We're not, we're not asking for the boldness that politicians have. We're not asking for the boldness that, that brash, arrogant people have. That's not boldness. That's just an arrogant brashness. We're not asking for that. We're asking for the kind of boldness that Jesus has that he gave to Peter, John, Paul, and others. But we want that boldness inside of us that comes from your spirit so we can talk openly and clearly and fearlessly about the wonders of Jesus in our lives. And uh, again, open our eyes so we see those opportunities. And ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat.